Petersfield's Shine Radio. Growing together with Claire Venice and Steve Amos on Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello and thanks for joining us in Growing Together, the gardening programme from Petersfield's Shine Radio. I'm Claire Venice and I'm sat at the Adhurst Estate Allotments with Steve Amos. Hello, Steve. Hi, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. We've met Thursday lunchtime and it's busy down here. There's a few people, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a slight uplift in the temperature and it's got people out of hibernation, I think, and starting to do things, which is great to see. I don't think I've ever seen so many people down here, actually. (laughs) We should have come on Sunday. We had our, our first working party of the calendar year. There was, I think, over 30 people here, which is brilliant. With the weather being that sort of slight spring melt in the air. Well, I know it's February, so... Let's let's take it whilst we can. Exactly. What's been going on down here in January? Have you been here much? Yeah, I've I've been here a fair bit, actually. The grief I've been given by my neighbours, I thought I'd better up my game and and get on top of things, which I've done. I've dug out an old uh, raspberry cane bed. You caught me hammering new posts as you arrived earlier. So that's all ready to go. I've got some nice new raspberry canes from uh, the guys at Southern Fruit Trees. Some autumn fruiting ones. So they're ready to go in. What else has been going on? Well, the remaining carrots have been pulled and gone. Parsnips are all done and dusted. Running repairs, really. Busy, busy. Me too, actually. Yeah, what have you been up to? Well, our new greenhouse is up. Yes. I'm so thrilled. It's taken quite a bit of work, though. I, I high-pressure hosed the patio yep. that it's uh, it was going on, which was filthy, and I'm so pleased I did do that. <laughs> the greenhouse took a bit of time to put up. They're not the easiest things to do, are they? Sure. Even with the best instructions in the world, and I bet they weren't. No, they weren't. No, they're Just fairly vague, aren't they? Yep. Yeah. It did take a couple of weekends. Yeah, but it's all done. It's done. Have you got anything in it yet? I have, yeah, I have. And growing up, uh, sweet peas are in. Excellent. They were in sort of early January, so they've come up. Possibly a bit too leggy, actually, so I'm going to pinch the top off. There's um, some leaves coming up, so I'm just going to pinch the top bit off to those next set of leaves. It's a bit too early for them to be growing, so high, Did you set them off inside, or did they come up in the greenhouse? They were inside the house in a cold porch. Right, okay. Um, so they probably had, still a bit warm. Yeah, so yeah. I think they, they probably did get a bit of warmth. And, yes. and now they're off and running and I don't need them to no, run No, absolutely. So Pinch them out, no problem at all. And Good. be brutal with them. Take them down a few sets of leaves. Well, actually, working in the garden, um, which I've also been doing this month, cutting back Rogoza roses and things, I saw some self-seeded sweet peas, which from the seed that must have spread last yes, year, yeah. and they're growing. And I've had this happen before. Oh, really? They are quite hardy. Not oh, that are. I would recommend doing that. No, no, no. Mine, mine have just started showing themselves. I planted them quite late, so mine have just started showing themselves. But the shallots are going mad at the moment. Ooh. Yeah, they're looking really good, really healthy now. Some. Am well, I mine went late? To, no, not really, but I, I lift mine fairly early for the shows, so they need time to sort themselves out. What else have you got sowing? Um, growing already. Growing. We've got a couple of trays of different tomato plants, a couple of trays of aubergine plants. Big onions are up, they need potting on already. I sowed them a seed per cell in those 24 cells, so they're all up and, and running, so they need potting on now into, into bigger pots, but they need to be kept warm. I don't have lights, but the, the big time showers put them under lights as well. I don't have any lights, I've not that flash. They're just in the greenhouse at the moment? No, no, they're in the heated propagator. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, they, they need warmth. Mm. They, they definitely need warmth. So they're, they're up and running. What else have we got? Chilies. Chilies. Just going to say chilies. Yeah. Which ones are you growing? Cayenne, actually. Just a basic cayenne. But I'm helping my girlfriend's son with his fundraising again for this uh, Project 23 is going on, this adventure through Europe with the Scouts. So we're doing a, a plant sale 
middle of April. So I wanted to get some nice healthy plants for him. So a lot of that stuff that's already in my propagator is, is for his plant sales. Yeah, we'll see how that oh, goes. Oh, how lovely. Yeah. That's really nice. Well, you know, you've got to do your bit to help, haven't you? You do. Yeah. But you can't beat a chilli plant. I've got my favourite, Spangles Twilight, going again. I know it's a terrible <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah. They are lovely little chillies, though. They? They're not hot. They have a little kick but they are lovely. There's a lovely warmth to them. It sounds um, like some kind of dodgy 70s showbiz name. <laughs> Read between the lines without what you like. They do like to kind of sing and dance a little bit they? as they're growing. <laughs> All different colours. Oh my goodness. Um, sort of heart-shaped. But honestly, try them. They are delicious. Okay. And we have actually, before in the past, we've picked them and put them in a jar of oil as well. Oh, yeah. So we've had lovely... Yeah, just preserved them. Preserved chilies. Super. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah. And I've got my lovely um, lemon drops as well. Oh, you said about those last oh, year. Nice. You like those last year, didn't you? A little bit Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was hard last year because we went away during the heat and I don't think they got looked after as well as they could have. We didn't have as many. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what happened with my pumpkins? Well, talking of pumpkins, I've just met down here your neighbour. He, he does Pumpkin. exist. He does. I did tell you he existed. <laughs> the man who's been growing carrots for 10 years and still hasn't managed to get one over an inch long. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. It was nice to finally meet him and... Dougie's here as well. We've met Doug before. Yes. And joining us soon will be Phil from Future Shoots, and, and he's going to tell us a bit more about how to prune your fruit trees, which is the time of year to do it now. It is really. We're sort of getting towards the end of the time to prune them, really, before that sap starts rising. But mm. Phil's the expert, so we'll let him talk about that. Yeah, great. I also went to the RHS Wisley, and I met with garden manager Emma Allen there. They're putting on a houseplant takeover in the amazing glass house they have there. It's superb, so. isn't it? I've only ever been once, and it, it is amazing. Isn't it? It's a lovely space. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. so we'll hear from Emma as well, who has some information about the houseplant takeover and also how to look after houseplants, which I think is something you know, a lot of people now are enjoying houseplants. Mm. It's been a bit of a revival, I think, with them. But well, you my, do my sometimes... youngest daughter, Harriet, loves sort of aloe veras and cactus, or cacti, should I say. Mm. And um, for the first time ever, one of the aloe vera plants is throwing a flower. Oh. I've never even seen a flower on an aloe vera plant. Wow. So it obviously likes where it sat in the, in the, uh, on the kitchen window ledge. The stem of the flower is already about a foot long. So I don't think I've ever seen an aloe vera uh, flower. I'll, I'll take a picture yeah, for you and show it to you. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating actually. Well, I saw you, Steve, mid-January with some terrible news of what had happened down here. Oh, the, yes. Our thefts. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's just, just really annoying. I understand times are tough, but... You know, people use this place as a place of sanctuary and a place to come and relax and what have you. And for somebody just to come in and help themselves to people's tools, it's just, it's just not cricket, is it? But do you know what? I've been absolutely humbled by the lovely people of Petersfield and the surrounding areas. We've probably got enough tools now to replace all the tools that were taken by the perpetrators that decided to help themselves. Really? Honestly. Through donations? Honestly, yeah. There's some, some quite specialist tools that were taken that we're, we're not going to be able to replace, but forks, spades, hand tools, shears. Oh, we've had all sorts of stuff. It's, it's been brilliant, honestly. You just would not believe the stuff that's been given to us. It's absolutely superb. So we're just getting a list together now, just a final list of everything that was taken and then matching that to the stuff that we've been given. And hopefully by next weekend, we should be able to give people their stuff back. Oh, that's Which brilliant. Which is awesome. That's yeah. really No, it is. It's really, really, really good. I say absolutely humbled by the response, you know. This one guy turned up to the house the other day and he had, he had some hand tools and a £10 note. Brilliant. Just that's really heartwarming, Super, isn't it? super people. Well, he's looking to a good yeah, down here. You know, there's not, we, we're beefing up the, the security here. We've been given some money by a couple of organisations. The Steep Flower Show, 
for one have given us some money which is brilliant uh, as have the round table and what we're going to do with that money we're going to put some security lights up and we're investing in some solar powered remote surveillance cameras as well we're doing as much as we can well i'm sorry that's happened but what a fantastic response yeah no it's been brilliant thank you thanks for asking well when i came down here in december you took me to a new area that had just been planted with some bare root trees oh yes yeah the Miyawaki forest that's right should ask phil about that i will do as his baby we didn't finish planting it this weekend just gone as i was saying about the working party but i think we probably planted another 200 or so whips into the Miyawaki area, which is which is awesome. And it's going to get fenced in the next couple of days as well. Keep them pesky rabbits out. <laughs> That's brilliant, though. Yeah, no, it's awesome. This looks really good. We should have a wander down after. Well, joining us now, fortuitously, down here at the allotment, is Phil Paulo. Hi, Phil. How are you? Good to see you again. I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, nice to see you too. And it's not too cold, which is good. It's not too bad, is it? We were saying earlier, it's uh, there's a little, little bit of warmth in the air. It's almost, yeah. almost looking like spring, but we shouldn't get caught with our pants down, as they say. It's dangerous times, Steve. Exactly. Dangerous times. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now, Phil, you have a company called Future Shoots, and you do an awful lot of work down here at the allotment with regards to tree planting, tree pruning. You're the expert. You're the man to talk to. And, and as we mentioned earlier, it's coming to the end of the tree pruning season. Can you give some advice to people who are not necessarily sure about how they prune? their trees this time of year yeah sure so i mean people have got a little bit longer if they want to get their fruit tree pruning done if they're a little bit behind generally the season for pruning is when the trees are the trees are dormant so that's kind of from november through to the end of march so you have actually you know the the, the weather's not too warm it's more you've got to the end of march generally i quite like doing a lot of my pruning just before the spring arrives and the buds burst because if you get a late frost we were talking about this around you know it could get cold again you've got a risk there that you could get some damage to the um, to the shoots of the trees. So I always try to leave it as late as possible, um, but then you are risking it that if you are away and you miss the window and they start growing, you're behind. But by having leaving them late, if they do get damaged again by the frost, you can you can reprune them to get the exact shape that you that you'd like going forward. Is there two times of year to prune a fruit tree? And what what are the different times and why do you prune them differently? That's a very good question, Steve. So generally apples and pears uh, and things like that you the, primarily you prune them um, in the dormant season so that's when they don't have any leaves they're not actively growing although you can also prune them in the summer so if you've got a particularly vigorous tree you can also prune it using the same techniques in summer just to try and control some of that that vigor but if you're looking at things like stone fruits there's generally a different rule for stone fruits so these would be things like your cherries and your plums you want to prune those in the summer so ideally you want to prune those in the height of summer um, when they're in full growth and the sap is actively rising because it gives them a bit more disease resistance because what how actually happens as the sap's rising where you do your pruning cuts it will push out any infection with the oh, sap okay. moving through and so there's a disease called silver leaf that's quite common in prunus which are your stone your stone fruits so summer pruning of your prunus reduces that risk of silver leaf okay. so that's a that's a good general rule to keep to but i mean we've got a lot of a lot of apple growers here down at Adhurst, so generally a lot of the a lot of the apple tree pruning will be going on this time of year. So best best window is kind of I like February and March is a good window of time to do your pruning. And how far should you cut back an apple or a pear tree? And you know, give us some give us some ideas of where to prune back to and how to do it. The guidance changes all the time. Does it? And there's no <laughs> the best practice, best practice guidance. And there's no set rules. There's no set rules. I think what you've got what you've got, member Steve, you know, motto down on the allotments, it's all about fun 
learning and trying new things. So I think we don't want people to be scared of pruning their trees. And it's like, okay, you know, if you do it slightly wrong one year, it will inevitably grow back. So as long as you're pruning it at the right time of year and you're not pruning it too hard, you know, there's there's a minimal risk that it's going to die. So okay. actually, if you make a slight mistake, that's not a big problem. So on the whole, with, um, with apples, so you want to be pruning potentially not more than 30% of the tree okay. anytime, anytime you prune it. So with apples particularly, you get different types of fruiting apples. So you get those that will fruit on what we call a spur system. And then you get those that will fruit on the tips and then that you get those that are semi-tip bearing as well okay. so there used to be quite clear guidance around how you prune each of those trees in very different ways but generally there's one overarching rule that you can use for all of those techniques you can prune you can prune them all in a very very similar way um, which is around kind of removing around about 20 to 30 percent of the current year's growth so okay. what you want to do if you have a look at an apple tree you'll often see you've got these small clusters of fruiting spurs that yeah. will be establishing on the branches. And what you're trying to do for your pruning, you're trying to establish more of those pruning spurs over growth spurs so that you have less leaf and more fruit. More fruit, yeah, okay. But it's important that you try and make sure that those fruiting spurs are quite quite nicely spaced and distributed within the tree. So they generally say you want your spurs about four inches apart because then you're not overladening the tree with too much fruit and you're allowing the fruit to get to a good size so yep. they're not too clustered together so that they're going to be cramped and you know lead to small deformed fruit. So generally your your growing tips you want to be shortening those by about 20% cutting those down and then that's in the previous year's growth and then you can also shorten some of the the side laterals as well to encourage some of these fruiting spurs so maybe pruning those down to about five buds. And it's really important when you're when you're pruning apple trees or any any sort of trees ideally you want to be using sharp tools so you're much more likely to injure yourself or damage the tree if you're using blunt tools and also if you can sterilize your tools between trees that's really useful as well because you can move diseases from tree to yeah, tree yeah. so you know definitely at the start of the day you can clean your tools and sterilize them and then again if you're working with a tree where you've got some known disease good to sterilize before you move on to the next tree what do you use to sterilize with them well there's a range of products so you, you can get commercial sterilizing products that are available in spray form one of the cheapest in these is a very weak solution of jay's fluid though that's probably one of the one of the best for sterilizing just also have a little a little bucket with a cloth and you can just dip them in there and sterilize them yeah. okay. with the jay's fluid. cheap and cheerful and readily readily, readily available. available absolutely readily we, we available like that well. cheap and cheerful we like that now yeah. we were also talking about the new tree project here at the allotments that's started in December and is also moving on already and you're involved in that quite heavily aren't you? Yeah that's right so that's a project that's been it's been commissioned by Hampshire County Council and it's part of the Hampshire Forest Partnerships objectives to see more more trees across the county so we're creating a, a Miwaki forest I'm sure Steve's spoken a little bit about already we kind of started started the project earlier in the year and we've been moving forward with various volunteer groups coming in to give us a hand and we've got some more volunteer groups planned for February and March. Um, some students from TPS will be joining us to do a little bit of planting as part of their eco club activities and we're hoping that we'll have it all completed ready for a formal opening end of March beginning of April. But once the, once the project's been completed we're going to be keeping a close eye on it and we've got a number of volunteers that are very keen to do some monitoring of the project and we're hoping that we'll get some of the students from TPS that will come back on a regular basis as part of their kind of citizen science programs to help us to monitor the success of the project. So the principle of a mere wacky forest it's a way of actually planting trees and getting them to establish a lot quicker 
than they normally would. So it's a great way to get lots of trees into small spaces and start capturing carbon very fast. They're very dense and so they've got the potential to be a really good biodiversity block and provide lots of useful habitat. I mean, the, the one that we've planted here, we particularly selected species that are attractive for dormice because we've become aware from the comments of some local ecologists that we've got really good dormouse populations surrounding the allotments. So as part of our management plan, we're really keen to put in more species that will attract dormice, that will provide some, um, some forage for them and nesting areas and also to actually provide better hedgerows and better connected hedgerows. So the Miyawaki Forest is going to form part of that in terms of providing a really good block of dormouse habitat that will hopefully encourage some of those populations into the site. Orchards tend to be really good um, for attracting dormice as well. They're obviously very keen on having a little nibble on some of the fruit. We've spoken about yeah. fruit tree pruning. So we're putting in quite a lot of crab apple within the local hedgerows as well that will hopefully be a really attractive forage for them alongside the traditional sort of hazel, um, which they obviously love as well. So yeah, it's been, a, it's been a great project and we've been very happy to be working in partnership with, with Hampshire County Council. And, we'll hope and the it, Tree Council as well, wasn't it? Yeah, the yeah. Tree Council. So the, the, the Tree Council have kind of been a, a partner um, within that project and they're, they're keen to deliver more Miyawaki forests across the UK as part of their national tree planting programme. And Hampshire's got an ambition to see, I think, another another four or five. Are we the first in I was Hampshire? Say, how many are there in the country? I think you are. The, yeah, this is the first. This is the first trial site in Hampshire. Brilliant. Um, but nationally, there's quite a few that are being trialled up okay. and down, up and down the UK, um, in some national trials where they're using slightly different establishment techniques. So for this one, it's a bit of an experiment that we planted half of the area with three trees a square metre, and half of the area with five trees per square metre. And then we're going to do a comparison in terms of actually how successful those trees establish, their growth rate, and then also their biodiversity value. That's fascinating. And it's what good, an exciting it? project to keep monitoring and, and watch grow this year. No, I, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And I think, you know, the more sort of people we get involved at the allotments and the more diversity from an ecological point of view as well, I just think it's brilliant. What I like about this allotment site is we're not just an allotment. And I think with your involvement, Phil, it's helping us realise that as well, which is awesome. We're, we're very keen to have a few more events here at the allotments so people can, you know, find out a little bit more about, about what we do. So I think we'd be keen to maybe, you know, use it as a great way to promote the concept. And if we can get more people in Petersfield thinking about what they could maybe do to support the local tree strategy, whether that's planting a tree in their own, you know, their own back garden or watering a tree that's outside the front of their house in the street. There are lots of opportunities to get involved in that as well. Thank you very much, Phil. It's really lovely to catch up with you again. Busy time of year for you, so thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Very welcome. Always a pleasure. So looking to February, there's quite a lot of things to get prepared, I find, this yes, month. Yes, definitely. We, we're sort of waiting for the mad sowing season of March and April. Yes. But there's things to prepare for, aren't there? So there's seed catalogues to go through, seeds to buy. I'll try and go through my pots and bits and bobs to make sure I have what I need. Yep. I've done about you, Steve, but I've got my potatoes already. I've just started to chip them. Okay. I wasn't going to grow potatoes this year, but I just saw some and I thought, you know, new potatoes yeah, can't nothing. be. Wow. Oh, they're amazing. They're amazing. The girls and I thoroughly enjoyed digging them out of the garden last summer. It's just the best. Delicious. The best. And yeah, I've grown potatoes for years down here, but to be able to go in the back garden and just dig a few was, was amazing. So yeah, I'm a massive advocate. And I wrote about growing potatoes in the, in the Petersfield Post the other week. You don't need a garden to do it. You can grow them in containers, you can grow them in a bucket, you can buy a bag of compost and grow them in the bag of compost that you've bought. It's so easy to grow. In a bag of compost, you know, empty a third of it out, put three seed potatoes in the bag and then fill it back up again you'll have 
probably five or six meals worth of potato. It's just so easy to do. I couldn't resist. So yeah, no, good yeah, here on we you. go. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> so they're chitting, and to chit them, I've put them in a, a cool, light place. Yep. And they'll just merrily sit there for the next month or so. Yeah, yeah. Till there's there's some little shoots, called? chits. Yeah. Yes, shoots. The little shoots coming shoots. out. Yes, I'm very excited about Excellent. those. I'm going to go for some new potatoes called Pentland Javelin, which okay. I've not tried before. No, good luck with those. Are you, have you ordered your potatoes? I've yet? ordered my potatoes. Anya potatoes are my favourite. It's absolutely delicious. But the seed potato crop failed two years ago, so I don't know whether they're going to be available. I have put my request in for some, but last year I got an alternative called Jazzy, which were lovely actually. They were a good alternative, but Anya's just different level hopefully this year yeah yeah yeah, yeah no, absolutely and the other thing obviously to get in the ground now or certainly in in pots in a cold greenhouse is your is your beans your broad beans if you didn't plant them before christmas mm-hmm. you've got a second chance to to get them in now i'm not a fan personally but um, my beloved neighbor coxie he, he loves his beans i don't think he's got any planted yet so he'll be on that in the next week or so definitely yes it's good to get them going actually isn't yes. it because yeah, yeah. well they can cope with being outside yes well they people plant hardy. them in the ground before christmas so yeah, they, they, they do cope well. The only thing they don't cope with is being eaten by mice. No. Like sweet peas, they love sweet peas, they love broad beans. Yeah, so you've got to just watch, watch out for that. And the other thing, of course, it's nearly time to start looking at your dahlias again. Well, it, it's, it's about time. The ones that I'm going to propagate from need to be woken up very soon. So I do that in, in a warm greenhouse. The cost of living crisis... Oh, it's going to kill me financially, I'm sure. But it's plants, it's dahlias, I love them. So, you know, needs must and all that. <laughs> so, yeah, on a, on a heat bed in a warm, frost-free greenhouse, you know the mushroom trays you get from the greengrocers. Layer of uh, newspaper, shallow layer of compost, tubers on the top, leave the eyes protruding from the top, get some warmth on them, bit of water, and away they go. Watch this space, yeah. So I haven't started yet, but I need to in the next week or two, really. So you've just had your tubers resting? Yeah, they've been been Mm frost-free. A lot of people have lost their tubers this year. That real cold snap we had before Christmas was really cold, and people who didn't have their tubers dried properly have rotted. Oh, no. Yeah, that so many people that I know and have read about and have sort of seen on the National Dahlia Facebook group have lost all their, their tubers. As you know, I've left some of mine in to future-proof that. I've, I've gone a bit mad this year. Surely not, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I've, yeah, I think I've bought how many? Oh, I think 20 new plants. So there's going to be even less space for growing vegetables this year if they all, if all the tubers come up that I left in. We'll see. We'll Brilliant. See. It's going yeah, to look yeah. really gorgeous down Yeah, no, here, it's going to be amazing. Ooh. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I've gone for some more of the larger varieties as well. So I've always sort of grown the miniature and the smalls and I've gone for some, some medium and large in this little collection of new ones I'm going to try. Very exciting. So you've got to try different things, haven't you? Yeah, you, you have. Yeah, You're yeah, hoping exactly. to, to maybe show them as well. We'll see. Mm. We shall see. Fingers crossed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exciting time of the year, though. It is. Yeah, 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 yeah. it definitely is. There's an awful lot to, to start thinking and planning for. Yes. And one of the things I really enjoy is the rhubarb is starting to come up. You can force it this time of year, obviously. You can cover it over yep. and, and force that rhubarb to come up quicker. Well, I actually, I've got a big pot that a tree came in. It's a big thing. So I've covered my rhubarb with it. I'm not a big fan of rhubarb, but I love the force stuff. It's amazing. It's really good, yeah. Do you keep peeping to see yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> is it there yet? Not yet. It's a bit too early yet, but yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, it's starting to move, which is, yeah. which is really exciting. Oh, it just gives me hope. When yeah. you see that popping exactly. up, yeah, I know yeah. that, that the days are coming where we'll be out in the garden a lot more. Well, the, the front garden, all the hellebores are up, snowdrops are up, and even in some sheltered corners, daffodils are almost popping out, which is amazing. And it's actually, great, isn't it? we've been joined pretty much throughout 
the entirety of this podcast. We've been joined by some lovely birds twittering away up behind us. There's a robin, literally a robin behind us. I've got one of those little pop-up greenhouses. I keep one zip open and there's a couple of pots in there. Last year, they nested in one of the pots. Kind of hoping the robin there was the one that nested there last year and they might go back. It's important, isn't it, to, to keep food out for the birds right. now because there isn't a lot there for them. Well, whilst we're waiting to get out in our gardens, I spoke to Emma Allen at the RHS Wisley where they have a houseplant takeover happening from February the 4th all the way through to middle of March. And she has some great advice about how to look after houseplants as well as describing what's going on up there. Excellent. The last time I was at the RHS Wisley was in September for the flower show when they were celebrating their 30th anniversary. Well, I'm back now in the wonderful glass house with garden manager Emma Allen. Hi, Emma. Hello. Now, there's a rather special event that's opening up in February here in the glass house. It's a houseplant takeover. Now, how do houseplants take over the glass house here? Well, this time they're taking over with an under-the-sea display. So we've, uh, we've created some rock work and the idea is you're going to walk on the seabed and you're going to see lots of, ironically, drought-tolerant plants existing in, a, in an imaginary watery environment. It's taking shape here because it opens on the 4th of February and runs until the 12th of March. And what plants have you got on display here? So these are drought-tolerant plants and most of them are readily available houseplants. We probably have stuck a couple of rarities in from our back-of-house collection here. But they are generally all good houseplants for a hot sunny spot that won't need much watering. And we've designed the display so in different areas we're looking at different groups of plants. So for example, when you come in, you'll walk out through a sea arch and that's covered in tillandsia or otherwise known as air plants or Spanish moss. So that's covering that area and we can talk about its plant adaptation. It doesn't need to grow in soil. It's an epiphyte, which means it grows on a tree and it will absorb moisture from the air. Really educational because I think there has been an increase in people purchasing houseplants, especially this time of year, whereas gardeners we still love to see that bit of green around. What kind of houseplants are good ones for, for beginners to, to have? I would go with probably something like an Echeveria, which is a nice, easy houseplant. They're usually quite affordable as well, and it will just give you a lot of joy very quickly. It's a lovely little rosette, comes in all different colours. So that's quite good fun. We've made a lot of sea creatures out of Echeveria. They're quite useful for that, as are the Tillandsia, the air plants. So you might see maybe the odd seahorse or jellyfish, or starfish made from Echeveria and Tillandsia in here. So they're good fun and we'll just mist them over for the duration of the display because they won't need much watering and that helps us at this time of year as well. But also if you have something like that and you want to go on a two-week holiday in summer, it's very useful because you don't have to worry about it dying while you're away. It is really creative here. We're stood looking at the display and there's an amazing four-foot seahorse in front of us which has been created out of various different houseplants. There is a stingray. Obviously quite fun putting this all together. Oh, we've had great fun. So we've worked with a very clever chap who's made us some bespoke rockwork which um, matches all the rockwork in the glass house already. So we've used that to cloud pillars. They're about three or four metres high. So that makes you feel like you're under the water. And then we've also worked with the Shipwreck Treasure Museum in Charlestown in Cornwall which is in St Austell, and they've loaned us some genuine nautical artefacts. We've got some divers' boots and portholes or lifebuoys, all kinds of ship steering wheel, lots of fun things. 
just to give a bit of authenticity. And then we've worked with a clever prop designer as well. So we've got a shipwreck and a lighthouse. We've got a whale tail diving into the waterfall pool. And then each area of the glass, has, like I said, has got its uh, own specific plant group. So we've got one for epiphytic cacti, so that's all ripsalis. We've got a cacti area. We've got a euphorbia area, one for agave, one for aloes, one for succulents, one's for sansevierias, mother-in-law's tongue, because they look a bit like seaweed. So all the plants tend to look like sea urchins, sea anemones, seaweeds, starfish. We've tried to pick things that have a nautical look. And weirdly, they all tend to be drought-tolerant plants. The summer we had last year, the sort of climate that we are potentially going to be looking at in the future, people are looking towards more drought-tolerant plants. Are you finding that's something that you get asked about here at Wisley? Yes, certainly. I, I often call Wisley the Surrey Sahara because we have a subsoil of sand, so it dries out very quickly. We could rain for months and months and months and then, you know, a couple of weeks of warm weather and the soil starts to dry out. So it's very good for carrots, but not so good for moisture-loving plants. So we get asked about that a lot for the outdoor plants, but I think for indoors, it's more about ease of care. So, you know, a cacti or succulent will thrive on neglect almost you don't need to worry about watering it in fact you'll probably overwater it more than underwater it now as lovely as house plants are some of them come with little bugs that you don't necessarily want in your house what do you recommend you could do to to help look after your house plants so i think probably the most common insect problem in my house is the scarred flies so these are the little flies that tend to hang around the top of your pot and quite often you get them flying in your face and the best thing to do with that because they that's usually where there's not enough root going into the compost and so the compost sits quite wet for a while until root establishment happens so the best thing i found to do with that is to try not to overwater for one and put a top dressing of grit or gravel on the top of the pot and that tends to stop them being so active so once you add that layer of grit or gravel that tends to slow it down and stop them the other big one for me is usually mealybug inside horrible thing and cultural control is best for that either leaf removal keep the pot really clean and i quite often use cotton buds to squish things and just try and remove it culturally it is a horrid pest though so i you know sometimes it's it makes more sense to get rid of that particular plant rather than run the risk of it spreading to the rest of your collection if you can't get rid of it and talking of house plants and looking after house plants there's also a new initiative being set up by the rhs which is to save house plants yes so our retail team very cleverly rather than any plants that aren't sold that are looking past their best to send them to the the compost heap in the sky they are making up boxes i think of about six plants and they're mystery plants you won't know what's in the box but I think you can buy a box of mystery house plants for either some, somewhere in the region of 10 to 20 pounds well this I know has been a couple of years in the making I hope it's a massive success here it looks like great fun and I'm sure everyone's going to really enjoy the house plants and seeing them in this environment I hope so too we're having great fun so hopefully people enjoy it when they come as well Great to hear from Emma there. Hopefully we'll have some more from RHS Wisley as the year goes on. So Steve, lots going on in February, lots of seeds to be sown. Yes. We spoke last month about possibly investigating having a seed, a seed swap in Petersfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I put something out on the, the Petersfield plant swap. There's a bit of interest there, so I think there's some legs in it. It was end of March. Yeah. We could start yeah. thinking about planning something. We'll find a venue and uh, watch this space, I think. We'll let you know. Yeah, exactly. Really, really, really hope we can pull that off. Yeah, it'd be good, it'd be, wouldn't it? It'd be great to meet fellow gardeners in exactly. the area as well exactly. and, and share some seeds. <laughs> 
it's been lovely to see you, Steve. Yeah, you and too. Great to catch up with you again. Nice to see you. Always lovely down here. So if you'd like to contact us or if you have a question for us, you can reach us on team at shineradio.uk or you can call or WhatsApp us on 01730 We'll be back for March. In the meantime, happy gardening. together new every month and always online at shineradio.uk a local job in care could earn you up to 39,000 pounds a year join us at the signature recruitment fair in hindhead to find out more about jobs in care hospitality and catering we'll be at signature at moorlands on friday the 10th and saturday the 11th of february visit us in person or apply online wakeuptobetter.com Salary based on a 48-hour week at £16 an hour.